Welcome everyone. Thank you for being here as part of Grisha's LLO program. Uh, my name is Michael Fraud. I'm the Assistant Program Director and really thrilled to have you all here this evening. We are here tonight for the third class of uh, the Kapara of Yom Kippur with Rabbi Dr. Shlomo Zakir, uh, who is our education director here at Drisha, as well as a postdoctoral fellow uh, at McGill University. Uh, the class so far has been focused on the overarching idea of how atonement comes about on Yom Kippur. We have looked at some texts from Vayikra, as well as some texts from Masachet Yoma that look at various ways that one might conceive of the atonement that we do on Yom Kippur, how exactly it works, uh, whether we have to do anything or whether it happens automatically, various other questions. Uh, tonight's shear is going to be focused on the relationship between Yom Kippur and the Seir HaMishdaleach, the scapegoat that, that would help atone for sin when it was uh, brought back in the times of the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, so the class is going to be asking about the relationship between atonement and Yom Kippur as a day of atonement and the scapegoat or various other Yom Kippur sacrifices, uh, both in the time of the temple and in today's times. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started. All right. Thank you very much, Michael. And thank you everyone for, for being here and uh, for having a chance to learn together. So as, uh, as I think uh, Michael mentioned, uh, in previous weeks, we spoke about the relationship between uh, Yom Kippur and Tshuva, how those two factors work together nowadays in, in terms of getting kapara, in terms of earning atonement. Uh, and we, there was a lot of interesting things last week. We're going to continue that discussion, but move things a little bit back in history. Go back to the time of the Beis HaMikdash when there were karbanos, and to think about how kapara happened then. And the, the uh, you know, Tshuva is still an option, at least in theory, but the thing we're going to focus on more, the thing that the, the sources focus on more, uh, and there in, in the chat there's a link to the source sheet, so everyone should be able to access that there. Um, what the sources focus on more is the relation between the day of Yom Kippur on the one hand and the karbonos, the sacrifices of Yom Kippur on the other hand. And by sacrifices, I'm using that term loosely um, because it includes the seir mishdaleach, the, the scapegoat, which is sort of a karbon, sort of not a karbon, not, not a standard karbon, certainly. So the question is, what role exactly is there? What's the balance in terms of Kapara and Yom Kippur? Um, you know, how much of the work is accomplished by the, uh, by the Sa'ir, by the, uh, by the scapegoat and by the other Karbanos, and how much is accomplished by the day? Once we understand the answer to that, that will help us uh, compare what Kapara was like in the time of the Beis HaMikdash to what it's like today. Because the more, the more of a role that the Karbanos then had, the more they're obviously missing today, right? Whereas if you minimize the, the role of those uh, Karbanos in the Seir Mishaleah, uh, we, don't, we don't really have as much that's missing, at least at first glance. So we're going to jump in to some of these figures and analyze those questions. Uh, and there's really a lot to do today, so it's possible this topic uh, will uh, we'll carry over to next week. But we're going to we'll do our best to get through uh, as much of it as we can. And we'll start, we'll start by picking up with the Mishnah that we studied in great detail last time. The Mishnah in Yoma Peheyam Abay, source number one on the handout. Um, and again, I'm going to do screen share. Everyone is, uh, you know, encouraged to come on screen yourselves for uh, for a classroom feeling. But for now, we'll we'll screen share. I can still see a good number of you on the side, and you can certainly uh, see each other if you uh, if you change the setup. Uh, you can you can do that too. In any event, let's jump in. Source number one: Chatas ve'Asham Vadai Mechaprin. Right. The Mishnah tells us that in general, a Chatas and and, and the standard Asham. Those karbanos are mechaper; they atone, and you bring those karbanos when you do an avera of a certain type. You bring the carbon, you get kapara. That's obviously talking about in the time of the base of mikdash. Nowadays, we don't have the option of bringing karbanos. The continuation of the mishnah: misav yom kippurim mechaperim imachuva, death or yom kippur. Either of those is mechaper atones for one's averos along with tshuva. We discussed this in great detail last time. Is it really yom kippur doing the work? Is it really tshuva doing the work? Do you need both? We, we spend a lot of time on that, but what's, what's clear is, the, is that all of these things seem to apply nowadays, right? Death still exists, as far as I can tell. 
Yom Kippur still exists. Certainly Chuba still exists. So these are all contemporary options of Kapara. And then the mission continues how exactly that works. We'll now look, source number two is what's known as Arba Chiluke Kapara, a teaching of Rabbi Ishmael about four types of Kapara that apply, four categories of, of things that, that yield Kapara, that yield atonement, that all of which exist nowadays and really building on the Mishnah in a sense. And there's parallels to this in the Mechilta and in, in the Bavli and Yerushalmi. We're not going to read all the sources. This is a, a very clear formulation of Rabbi Shmuel's teaching. Rabbi Shmuel Omer, Arba Chiluke Kaparahain. There's four categories of atonement. And he says it in this like absolute way, right? These are the four atonements. And we're going to see he leaves out things like Karbanos, presumably because he's talking about Kapara that exists nowadays. So what are the four Kaparas uh, that exist nowadays? And uh, just a moment. We'll zoom in for uh, additional ease of, of reading. So what are the four categories of kapara? If one violates a mitzvah, if one misses out on a positive commandment, all you need to do is tshuva. So category one is tshuva, and you get atonement for that. Um, that's category one. Tshuva alone works in some cases. Category number two. If you violate a negative command, which is more severe, Shuva sort of lets the Avera hang in the balance. It suspends the Avera. And Yom Kippur does the rest of the job of atonement. And that's really the same as the line in the Mishnah. That's category two, right? Where you have Shuva is not enough. You need Yom Kippur in addition. Category number three. If you violate a severe uh, prohibition, which has kares from Yisus Bezdin, but also tshuva, you do tshuva, so tshuva v'yom kippurim tolin, tshuva plus yom kippur are not enough, they just suspend the avera v'yisurin shevashari mos hashanim emarkin. The suffering that one uh, experiences the rest of the year, that serves to atone for it. So we have our third type of atonement here, our third atoning uh, entity, which is yisurin, suffering. This does not appear explicitly in the Mishnah, but it's in Artoseft here, and it's quoted many times later. And then we have what we saw in the Gemara last time as Rebbe's teaching of Mishnah, or a version of it. If one intentionally makes a chil Hashem, Yom Kippur are not enough if you make a chil Hashem. Tshuva plus Yom Kippur atone a third. Yisurin mechaprin shlish. Suffering atones another third. And then death does the final cleansing. Lamarik is to cleanse, which here means to atone, along with suffering. So you put all four of them together, our four categories. Tshuva, Yom Kippur, suffering, and death. You put the four of them together, um, and uh, you put the four of them together, and you get kapara uh, through that. Um, and finally, you get kapara. And then we quote a pasuk. We quote a pasuk there. Um, and uh, that's, so that's our story, right? Um, we, uh, th those are the four categories of, of kapara. And then the next line in the Tosefta, you know, this is not arguing with Rabbi Shmuel, but it sounds like it is. Rabbi Shmuel says, these are the four categories of kapara. The next line is, kadas ve'asham, uh, uh, et cetera, are only mechaper along with tshuva. So it mentions kadas and asham. So what about them? How are, why are they not part of the list? The answer is, it seems that Rishma is talking about nowadays, the four categories of, of Kapara nowadays. Bismana Mikdash, in the time of the Beis Mikdash, there are other categories such as Khatas and Asham, uh, among others. And that gets that, the rest of that Tosefta quotes part of the discussion we saw in our Gemara last time. We're not going to go back to that, although it is a fascinating discussion, discussion as uh, some of you know from last week. But we're going to move forward. We're going to look at other sugyas that discuss how Kapara works on Yom Kippur in the time of the Beis HaMikdash that will allow us to make this comparison, to say, okay, what existed, what was necessary for Kapara in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, what's necessary today, and what changed in the process? And by doing that, we're going to be asking first, what's the relationship between, uh, between the day of Yom Kippur, which obviously still exists today, and the Karbanos brought on Yom Kippur, including the Sirmish Daleach, which we obviously don't do today. So that's our task for the next uh, 49 or so minutes. So the place to start is this extended Mishnah, it's really a whole parak of Mishnah, that uh, starts off Meseches Shavuos. Meseches Shavuos is about oaths, 
Uh, and for some reason, uh, it's sort of a, it's a funny coincidence. For some reason, the first couple of prakim have nothing at all to do with Shavuos. And it's because we, uh, we start off with this mnemonic, Shavuos Shtayim Shein Arba. There's a, a two, which is four, that relates to Shavuos. And that reminds us that we, we remind ourselves of other things that are two that are four, one of which is Yedios Hatuma Shtayim Shein Arba. Scenarios where one becomes impure and realizes that impurity has a yediyah satum, has knowledge of the fact that they were impure, there's two categories that split into a total of four categories. And then we spend all Perek talking about that uh, and before we end up getting to, uh, to Shavuos itself. So our discussion now is going to be based on that scenario. We're not going to get into the details of Tumah and how it works. There's a lot more to discuss there. We're just going to focus on the description of the Karbanos because um, the basic idea here is most Kapara, most atonement for Averos of Tuma, of where one, let's say, becomes Tame, doesn't realize they're Tame, let's say, becomes Tame to a bed, dead body, walks over a grave, doesn't realize they did that, and goes into the base of Mikdash that defiles the temple in one sense or another. That's Mitame the Mikdash, whatever that means. Uh, it's not clear you need to actually be Mitame the Mikdash, but it's, it's prohibited to do that. You have to bring a special carbon for that, really different carbonos in different scenarios. So we're going to discuss all of that, but all of that atonement happens on Yom Kippur. So uh, that's the scenario we're talking about here, and or really the four scenarios. So scenario number one, a scenario where you knew about the impurity originally, and then you forgot, and then you went and went to the base of Mikdash, and then you remembered again. A combination, it sounds like, of the Seir Nasibithnim, the uh, the carbon chatas, the goat that's brought as a chatas offering that's brought on Yom Kippur, Bithnim, inside the Kodesh, the, the, where the blood's taken inside, that the Yom Kippurim and Yom Kippur together, Tola, they suspend the Avera, they take care of it at least partially. Once you realize fully that you were impure, you bring a Olaviori. That's scenario one. Scenario two, if you had knowledge at the beginning, and that, oh, sorry, you didn't have knowledge at the beginning, but you did have knowledge at the end that you were impure, in that case, a different, the Sirenasa Bachutz, the other Sa'ir Chatas, brought in Yom Kippur, that's brought outside, that's brought in the Azara, that atones along with Yom Kippur. And then Al Sha'inba, Yediyah, Lobetchil, Velobasov, if you have knowledge neither the beginning nor the end, Sa'ir Eregalim, Sa'ir Shechadashim, Mechaprim. In that case, other Chatases brought on other days, on the Shalosh Regalim, on Rosh Chodesh, those are Mechaper, that's Rehuda's position, there's a whole dispute. We're going to get into the details of all that. What's, what's important for us is the underlying parts, which is in each of these cases, Whatever kapara happens from these goats, these are not the scapegoat, these are not the seer amishlech, these are normal carbon chatas, one brought inside, one brought outside. Um, but what, what, uh, what is, what, what's sort of interesting here in terms of how it works? How many components are necessary in each of these cases that are underlined, right? Let's take the first case. So what's needed to be tole, to temporarily suspend this avera? What does it sound like? It looks like it's two. Looks like it's two, two things, right? The, the, the chatas that you bring inside the Kodesh, number one. Number two, the day of Yom Kippur. Those two factors are necessary to work together to be mechaper, right? That's, that's, what, uh, that's what sounds like it's happening here. And the same for all the other cases, right? the other chatas plus Yom Kippur, that's, there's no Yom Kippur there. So that's, we don't say, we don't say that. But notice what we don't say here. We don't say, Right, we don't say the, the carbon you bring, the carbon chatas you bring on Shavuos. Not, not the name of the Sefta Shavuos, the other Shavuos. Right, we don't say that chatas plus the day of Shavuos is mechaper. There's no such thing, right? We say the, 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 the carbon itself is enough on the Sirah Regalim, Sirah Shchadashim. Only on Yom Kippur do we have this idea that V'yom HaKippurim, the day itself, participates. Uh, and similarly, um, similarly later on, well, this one here, it's actually not as clear. It says, Vishel Yom Kippur Mechaper. The Chathas of Yom Kippur atones. We don't specify that Yom Kippur itself uh, joins in. And, uh, and then at the end, this is interesting, a very important line here. This may be the most important line of the whole, uh, of the whole mission, of this whole shir, which is, V'alzdon Tumas Mikdash V'kadshav. If you intentionally uh, defile the Mikdash, you become Tameh and enter the Mikdash, in such a case, Fine, this, that, that, this line, we're not yet at the most important line. It's still an important line. 
the Sa'ir brought inside plus Yom Kippur are Mechater. And now, Al-Shar Torah, all other Averas in the whole Torah, Hakalos Vachamuros, minor or severe, Azdonos Vashkogos, intentional violation or unintending violation, Hoda Hoda, if you realize afterwards that you did it or not, Ase Velosas, a positive or negative violation, Karesos Demises Bezin, even if it's severe, where you get excision or the death penalty, in all of those cases, every single Avera in the whole Torah, Sier Mishtalech Mechaper, the goat that's sent out, the scapegoat, the scapegoat is mechaper, atones for you in such a case. Um, so what, what's really important about this line? What's, what's interesting? What's unusual? What's important? There's a lot of things to say about this line. What, what do people think? What do people think? Yeah, Talia? First of all, it's just a single thing. There's not two things mentioned. There's like no mention of tshuva. Um, also, it's pretty radical. It falls more into the category that we were talking about last week of this more like miraculous um, gift that we're getting. Okay, great. So uh, yeah, I think a great point that it's only Sirmish Daleach and there are two things we might've said work with it, but they're not mentioned here. One is the day of Yom Kippur, right? Which we know from earlier in the mission, that seems like that's a thing, but it's not mentioned here. So the day of Yom Kippur seems like it has no role. It's just the Sayyid without the day. And then probably as you emphasized, um, no tshuva. doesn't say anything about tshuva. Now maybe it's uh, lurking in the, you know, maybe it, it, it implies it, but it definitely doesn't sound like you need tshuva here. Uh, it sounds like the Simr Shaleach is mechaper, you know, automatically, magically even. And that would fit well with this idea we have from the Mishnah in Yoma that tells us that there would be a red string and they'd ribbon half, half they'd put on the Simr Shaleach's horn, half they'd put on the, on the Beis HaMikdash. And when it died, when the seer died, um, the, the, the string would turn white to show that there was this basically automatic kapara, right? Everyone sins, all the red turned to white. Everyone became pure again. That, that, Sounds like, uh, you know, that miracle that would happen would correlate with a conception of, of atonement there that it's miraculous, right? That it's sort of totally without human input. It's just the Sayer itself that does it. And this line really lends itself to that, right? It's such an extreme line. All of there is in the Torah, except for Tumas Mikdash Bekadshah, right? Except for becoming Tameh and entering the base of Mikdash. That's a very, that's a tiny detail. Out of the, compared to the whole rest of the Torah, this is Mechaper, the Sirish Lech is Mechaper for everything. And, and, uh, just a side point, the word scapegoat actually comes from the idea of a Sir Mishdalech. The goat that's sent out, it escapes, so that became the word scape in scapegoat. The, the, it's good, that, uh, good to mention to your, uh, your friends and family on Yom Kippur or something like that. All right, so we have, we have in our Mishnah, in our Mishnah here, we have a little bit of a discord uh, in the sense that sometimes it sounds like Yom Kippur plays a role, sometimes not. but this is an interesting point. Even, the, even if it's only some of the time, Yom Kippur playing a role is really important, right? Because even in the time of the Mikdash, you bring the Karbanos, the Karbanos themselves are not sufficient. Usually Karbanos themselves are sufficient, but for some reason, on Yom Kippur, there's a need for the day itself, according to at least Mishnah, as it seems, we should read it. So everything we've said until now is based on our text of the Mishnah that we have, but as we're going to see, this is a little controversial. So let's go forward. Um, and first of all, Rashi, this is sort of a minor point, but it, it spawns some larger points. Rashi on our Mishnah talks about the two categories. First, the Sira Nasibifnim, the Khatas brought inside, the goat for Khatas brought inside, and here he doesn't mention anything about Yom Kippur helping, right? Just a Sayer is Mechaper. That's what Rashi says. He seems to leave out the Yom Kippur part. And then on the next piece, Sira Nasibachutz, the Yom HaKippurim, Mechaper. Then the next line, the outside khatas, the goat for a khatas, then he does say Yom Kippur participates. So this leads some achronim to ask the question, Rashi, why are you being inconsistent? Why don't you say it the first time? Say the first time Yom Kippur is a necessary component of the atonement. Why are you jumping in only the second time around? You leave it out the first time, you mention it the second time, that seems oddly uh, inconsistent. So the achronim have a couple of answers here. They're, they're helpful for us. Um, not just to answer this small question in Rashi, but to answer the larger question of what's, what's going on here. So the Chassam Sofer, he asked the question, he quotes Rashi, he says, Ule'el, this year not with him, lo birish Rashi again. Rashi didn't say anything about Yom Kippur participating earlier. Why? Obviously, you're only going to bring the Karban on Yom Kippur. This is the Sir Nasib You only bring a, a Chatas inside on Yom Kippur. You don't bring a Karban like that any other day of the year. Masha Enkein jumping, we bring a chatas outside in the courtyard every yontif 
and on Rosh Chodesh, every, every Musaf. That's, that's a pretty common thing. So the thing that's, that's like a, a super specific Yom Kippur thing, it's obvious that Yom Kippur participates. He doesn't need to mention it. Something that's a more generic type of carbon, he needs to throw in that Yom Kippur participates. That's his first answer. It's sort of don't, you know, don't make a big deal out of this. It's not really, no, it's not, there's no difference here. But then he has another suggestion. Lule de Mistafina. If I wasn't scared uh, of suggesting something new, I would have Amina, I would have thought the following, meaning it's usually when you want to say something without, you know, taking responsibility for it. You say, throw this out as a suggestion. Maybe, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm scared to really say this. He says, maybe there are Shimon polygals there. Rav Shimon in the Mishnah, we didn't, we didn't read it uh, closely, but there's two different views in the Mishnah. He thinks maybe Rav Shimon argues, So maybe there's a machlokas in the Mishnah between the different opinions there as to whether the day actually works or not. And that's why we come back and we, we get into some of the details there. We distinguish between uh, this carbon, Rashi needs to emphasize this carbon where there's a dispute, um, according to the Tanakama, Yom Kippur does participate. So here we have a first view, the Chassam Sofer's understanding of Rav Shimon uh, in his uh, theoretical position. There is a view, one view, that, uh, that the day of Yom Kippur does not participate. Now, if we continue to the next source, the Marome Sadat, um, he's also going to suggest, he's going to suggest a different answer. So he says, um, Right, so, and this is important, especially for how to read the lines in the mission. He also asked the question on Rashi. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he says, what, what, what's the story with this line? So I thought it meant, as Tali said, the the Sayyir, the, the, the Chatas, plus the and Yom Kippur together are Mechaper. He says, no, that's not how you should read it. He says, that perish, but kol Mishnah, the Yom HaKippurim, o Yom HaKippurim, the Atmo. When we say that the goat, the Sayyir Nasibathim is Mechaper, vi Yom HaKippurim, vi doesn't mean and, doesn't mean you need both, it's or. So the Sayyir, the goat, or Yom Kippur, either one can be Mechaper, either the day or the Karban. So you don't need both together, really it's either. It's either uh, can do it, either or can do it, instead of uh, both, instead of needing both. So that's a very creative reading of the Mishnah. It doesn't sound like that's what the Mishnah is saying, but we do have, this, sometimes vi means or. Actually, pretty frequently, uh, right? We have a we have a, we have like a knee-jerk reaction to translate vi as and, and sometimes that's true, but sometimes vi is or, and sometimes vi is just continuing the sentence, right? It doesn't always work well to translate it as and. Fine. So that's the second view. According to this, so we have three possibilities now: either the goat, the sire alone, is mechaper in the various cases, or the sire plus yom kippur is necessary in each case, or it's an option: either the sire or yom kippur. Right, we have three three possibilities so far. And really the Marome Sada isn't the first one to say this. The Ran, uh, several hundred years earlier, uh, says, This idea that the vi means o, right? And means or, that either the goat or Yom Kippur's Mechaper, that already is out there. And uh, fine, that's how he reads this is a later sugya on the Mishnah, but that's how he reads the Mishnah, reads back into the Mishnah. So this is, this idea of either or has a pretty good early pedigree. Just to quickly look at some other commentaries on the Mishnah, and then we'll take a few questions uh, on this segment of the Shir. The Deferis Yisrael, the commentary on the Mishnah, says, the way we were reading it originally, the day itself, the very, the very day itself is Mechaper. Uh, and then he has this interesting point, you know, what's the Nafkamina? Like, when do you ever have the carbon on Yom Kippur without Yom Kippur? Like, why would it matter that Yom Kippur participates? And he has a suggestion that uh, maybe if you think one of the components of the atonement is the day itself, so if you are a Yom Kippur denier, if you don't believe that Yom Kippur actually works to atone, maybe you actually won't get the kapara, right, if it's a necessary component. If it's not a necessary component, then it doesn't matter what you think about it. That's his suggestion. Interesting point. Um, but, uh, the, but the, the, the main thing here is he's someone who explicitly says, the day itself participates in the atonement. Um, fine. Here, and now we're going to look at some people who have a different girsa in our Mishnah, just to mix things up a bit. Right? Our Mishnah said, vi, right? A and B. And some people said, well, maybe vi means or. So maybe it's A or B. But some people had just a different girsa entirely. So the rid, the rid was in Italy. Sometimes he has different mesoras, he has different traditions. This is one such case. He says, Seir Anasa Bachutz, Vi Yom Kippurim, V 
Vigoma Kippurim Atzmo Moelim Akarban. So it does something very unusual here. We'll see. It'll make a bit more sense in a second. But he sounds very repetitive. The Seir Nasvachutz that happens on Yom Kippur and Yom Kippur itself, meaning the day, uh, are effective uh, together, right? The carbon plus the day. So he makes it crystal clear that his vi doesn't just mean vi. I mean, it doesn't just mean or. It means it means uh, and that the two are working together, right? Because he spells out the carbon on Yom Kippur plus the day of Yom Kippur itself work together. Possibly what he was trying to avoid is people who quote our Mishnah and seem to have a different girsa, seem to have a girsa of not v'yom ha-kippurim, but with a vav, but b'yom ha-kippurim with a base. And one such person seems to be the Rambam, who has this other girsa. Right, Rambam talks with a story that's brought b'yom ha-kippurim on Yom Kippur is a chata. Similarly, the Meiri has that girsa of b'yom ha-kippurim on Yom Kippur, this uh, sayer. So it, may, it sounds like they had it on the Mishnah. They didn't say vi, you know, A and B, the, the goat and Yom Kippur. They had the goat brought on Yom Kippur. It's just describing when it's brought, bi Yom HaKippur. I'm telling you the day that it's brought. Um, fine. So that's that's an important point in terms of Girsa. And again, Rashi, not only on our Mishnah and Shavuos that we were just reading, but also, um, uh, sorry, yeah, also that, that he sa- says it in, earlier in the Mishnah too, Biyom HaKippurim, and that fits very well with his comment on the Mishnah in Yoma that we started with, source number one, where he says the following, right, that most of that Mishnah is talking about nowadays, there's no Avodah, there's no Karban, if there is a Karban, so the whole Mishnah, the whole discussion that we talked about last week, about whether you need Shuvah, Along with Yom Kippur or not, that's only without a base of Mekdash. If there is a base of Mekdash, you have the Sa'ir Amishdaleach. Everything is in the You get atonement for everything, no tshuva necessary. That's the Ramam's use. That's consistent with his Girsa. His Girsa of Sir Nasa Bachot Sarifnim Bi Yom Kippur, the one that happens to be brought in Yom Kippur. The day of Yom Kippur plays no role whatsoever. You don't need tshuva, you don't need Yom Kippur. As we said when we read uh, this Mishnah, you don't need anything except for the Sa'ir Mishdaleach. And as was mentioned, the Me'iri also has this girsa. Um, uh, right, so the Me'iri, we can really spend a lot of time on this Me'iri. Before we get to the Me'iri, let, uh, no, let, we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time on the Me'iri now. And uh, just bear, bear with me here for a minute, because it's really cool how this will tie in with what we did last week. And I think many of you were here last week. If not, you'll pick it up quickly from this Me'iri. He really emphasizes his point well. We didn't read this Me'iri last week. This is the Me'iri commenting on our Mishnah. Right, last week we looked at Meiri's in Yoma and in his Hebrew on Shuva. Here, this is a totally different Meiri, but he's going to say he can be very consistent. Um, so he says, he talks about the Mishnah, right, when we say that, it's sort of repetitive. When we say all the things that, that the Sirmish Taleach takes care of, he's for a little repetitive, intentional, unintentional, knowing, unknowing. And all these cases. So the Mishnah seems to say the Sir Mishnah is Mechapeh for everything. The Me'iri comes in and says the Sir Mishnah works for everything if, you, even without Shuva, if we're talking about minor sin. So a minor sin, maybe the Sir Mishnah works. For a more severe sin, something more than like a basic say uh, or maybe a love, anything more than that, you actually need Shuva. And this is consistent with the Me'iri we saw last week where he Every, at every chance, brought in chuba as a necessary component. Um, and then in the next case, he throws in, he adds in extra words that the mission doesn't have in his descri- description. So he talks about uh, in that case of Tumah, notice the beis, not the vav. That's mechaper. describes the karban. Those words are not in the Mishnah. The Me'iri adds it in. The Sir Nasabachutz on Yom Kippur is Mechaper with Tshuva. So think about this double move that he does, right? Uh, for those who know what a double move is. On the one hand, the Mishnah seemed to say, Sir Nasabachutz, vi Yom HaKippurim, Mechaper, right? It's the goat plus Yom Kippur together are Mechaper. The Me'iri says, wait, wait, wait. It doesn't say vi Yom HaKippurim. It says bi Yom HaKippurim. So Yom Kippur is actually not relevant at all. Then he says, but by the way, the Mishnah doesn't say anything about this, but I'll tell you that Tshuva, a totally different factor, is necessary, right? So you need to throw in, that's what he throws in, Imat So he both takes away 
the day of Yom Kippur, and he adds in the phenomenon, the necessary component of tshuva. And then the same later on, the Sir Mishlech is Mechaper Imat Tshuva HaShlema. He throws in full tshuva as, as uh, allowing the Sir Mishlech to work. And as we saw last week, as he says in Shibra Tshuva, the Sir Mishlech works not because of anything magical or inherent about the Sir Mishlech, but because the Sir Mishlech inspires people to do full tshuva, tshuva hashlema, as he calls it here, or tshuva gemura, as he said uh, in the source from last week. Um, and then again, he throws in for good measure, imat tshuva, at the end of his description of this Mishnah. So the Me'iri is very consistent, tshuva, tshuva, tshuva all the way, and important for our purposes as well, Yom Kippur plays no role. It's the carbon brought on Yom Kippur. It's not the carbon brought plus the day of Yom Kippur. Now, if you look in the best manuscript we have on the Mishnah, the Kaufman, Manuscript, source number 14 here, um, you actually find something interesting. We basically saw two different girsahs of the Mishnah, the, Mish the girsah of Ve Yom HaKippurim and the girsah of Ve Yom HaKippurim, with a vav or with a bays. The uh, Kaufman has a totally different girsah entirely. So he says, in this scenario, Yom HaKippurim, Tole. He doesn't say vav, he doesn't say a, a, a bays. He has neither, he just says, the Sirenas Mithnim, Yom Kippur is, is Tola. So it's very confusing because grammatically this doesn't really work. Um, but it could be that this is, you know, the people who think that it's not, it's not A plus B. It's not A, it's not uh, Sirenas Mithnim Yom Kippurim. Maybe they have some support, at least from this, uh, this uh, manuscript, the Kaufman manuscript, that maybe the original Girsa didn't have above, although it's not clear that it had anything and, and it's not clear what that would mean exactly, but at least that may be a support for Rambam and Meiri. Just quickly to sum up our findings, our analysis of this Mishnah. Um, so it sounded like from the Mishnah that Yom Kippur played a role in Kapara and at least some of the Karbanos. On the other hand, by the Sire Mishaleach, it seems to not be mentioned. And according to some people, Rav Shimon disagrees and doesn't think you need the day. And according to some people, the Vav doesn't mean and, it means or. And according to some people, the, the Vav is not really there at all. It's really a base. Uh, and really maybe... If anything, Yom Kippur plays no role, but maybe Chuba plays a role, as the Me'iri suggests. So we have some competing factors here, right? What seems straightforward, that the, the Karbanos work with the day of Yom Kippur. On second glance, it looks like there's a lot of reasons to think that maybe not, that maybe Yom Kippur doesn't play a role here. So Ankan, that's the analysis of this Mishnah. It's, it's very important. It's maybe the primary source. And there's a lot of different directions that we, we've seen here. But let's pause now if there are any questions. Um, and after the questions, we'll move towards uh, sort of the broader ramifications of this by looking at other sugyas, sort of uh, moving to a more historical uh, sort of analysis. But first, any, any questions or thoughts, ideas? We'll stop share for a minute. Um, everyone's, uh, yeah, everyone's welcome. Zoe. Hi. Um, I'm curious, I don't know if, if you'll be able to, to answer this. I just, I'm curious about the transmission method here of like, it seems very clear some people have one version of this and others have another. Do you think that this is a written source that gets sort of different written sources get passed? Or because you noted like in the earliest written source we have, it doesn't make sense. Do you think people are just filling that in? Like, is there, do we know what that might be? Okay, so it's a great question. This is like a, you know, you can ask this question anytime there's like different textual variants, right? How did you get from point A to point B? I think in this case, it, it, I'm not fully sure uh, for some of the reasons you mentioned, but I think if you're thinking, if the options are a bays and a vav, they don't really look alike graphically, but they do sound alike, right? Yeah, that was one part of my question, yeah. <laughs> right? So it seems, if you, if you like, uh, you know, uh, may force me to make a guess, I would say most likely there was some uh, confusion between vav and bays, just based on the sound, the oral, A-U-R-A-L, confusion of people hearing it. Um, how do you explain Kaufman? That's really confusing, right? Because it is the best manuscript generally for Mishnah. It doesn't read well at all. Um, so that they had different Mesoras and they said, like, let's just leave it blank. Is it that they had some odd, you know, they had this weird Girsa, sometimes, you know, Lectio Deficuliar, sometimes the, the weirder text is actually the right one because, you know, if, 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 this was, if this was wrong, how did it show up here? The best explanation is that it's actually the original Girsa and for whatever reason, people, you know, hyper-corrected in various ways. So it's, it's hard to know for sure. Um, you know, that's like, you know, a historian, uh, a philologist question, right? It doesn't really matter at the end of the day for our purposes. We're just trying to understand the different views here. We're trying to reconstruct the proper Mishnah. We don't really have the possibility of doing that for sure. 
Um, and anyways, as, as generally, we understand the Mishnah in light of the commentaries on the Mishnah. Um, uh, to, you know, that's uh, sort of the way the Mishnah is preserved and explained going forward uh, in, in Jewish uh, tradition. Right, so um, we've seen there's a variety of views. So whatever the original text of the Mishnah was, it's pretty clear that there's a lot of ways of understanding the Mishnah today. But again, great question. And uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know of a good answer. I don't know how one would get uh, a good answer. Uh, Riva. Yes, yeah, so I just wanted to ask, um, for those that say that Teshuvah is a component of the Kapara process, um, what, would there be like some kind of halakhic ramification? Like it's kind of very difficult to define. Like what kind of measure would you have for this? Like, is it a measure of how much Teshuvah you do or like the quality? Um, and like, are we able to read into what the Me'iri would think about that? Yeah, so, okay, so it's an interesting question. What, like, what's the measure? What's the shear? How much, how much tshuva is necessary? So I think this is a case where, even though we do have, uh, as we're reading, we have halakhic sources talking about what yields kapara, what yields atonement, and what doesn't. Um, it's sort of, it doesn't really, there's no practical ramification, meaning it's not like, you know, if, uh, you know, if you ask your rabbi, did I get kapara on this or not? You know, they won't say, oh, you got kapara, therefore you can host our uh, shul luncheon this week, or you didn't get kapara, you can't, right? It's sort of, that's a metaphysical realm that at the end of the day, God decides really what happens. We're doing our best to understand it, but I don't think there's a real uh, practical ramification here. But I think the reason we have these discussions, because I'll want us to understand when do you get kapara or not. The, the most practical ramification is, do you still need to, you know, deal with the avera? Do you still need to try to fix it? So um, how to do tshuva and like the process there, um, which I think is more of a qualitative description than a quantitative description. The Ramam has a lot to say about it based on Gemaras. There are other people, uh, Shari Tshuva, you know, and Ben Yona. So there's, there's a lot of material out there, but I don't think there's really a quantitative answer. Like this much Tshuva is enough. You need to do Tshuva, mm -hmm. however Tshuva works. And there's different views on that. Okay, thank you. Yeah, sure. Yeah, thanks for the question. Any, any other questions? All right, so let's jump back in to our texts. Um, and uh, just going to put back on the uh, screen share. So we're going to now look at a different sugya that I think is a bit more explicitly historical, at least once we get to the Rishonim, and then we're going to try to piece this all together. And uh, you know, it's not 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 so easy. There's a lot of moving parts here, um, and uh, not in this case, not animal parts, but just uh, conceptual parts. So source fifteen is the Gemara and Shuas Yud Gimel commenting on the Mishnah, and it's actually talking about Rebbe that we know and love from last week. The position of Rebbe, um, that at least it sounded like it was saying, you get Kapara with the day of Yom Kippur with no Tshuva nowadays. Tshuva is not necessary. The day of Yom Kippur itself cleanses all your sins. Uh, we discussed this at some length last time. So the Gemara says, Umoda Rebbe Bekaris the Yoma, it must be that Rebbe agrees, that Rebbe backs off of his position, that all you need is kapara in a case of kares the yoma, violating kares on Yom Kippur, let's say eating on Yom Kippur, or doing malacha on Yom Kippur. In such a case, presumably, Rebbe would admit that you don't get automatically atoned for by the day of Yom Kippur itself without any tshuva and you're off scot-free. Why? The ilo temahachi, if you don't say that Rebbe backs off, in that case, kares yom kippurim Rebbe leisle. When would you ever get the punishment of kares for violating yom kippur? Right, the Torah says, uh, Anyone who doesn't suffer, doesn't fast on yom kippur gets kares, gets excision. But how would that ever work if Rebbe held that? You know, let's say you eat on yom kippur, and then, well, it's yom kippur, so you have your sin atoned for. You don't even need to do tshuva. Then you eat something else, and then your sin gets atoned. So when would you ever get kares on Yom Kippur? The Torah says you get kares. What's that? What's the pasuk talking about? It must be, says the Gemara, that Rebbe backs off of his view and thinks usually for averes you did before Yom Kippur, no matter how bad they are, they get cleaned up, they get cleansed without tshuva. But an aver you did on Yom Kippur, if you eat on Yom Kippur, that will be an aver that you can't get rid of, maybe only with tshuva. So that's the Gemara's presumption, and now we we object to that. Alam alo. Uh, why not? Why, why do you need to say that? What's the issue? Let's say you, you ate at night and then you died before the morning. 
because you haven't gotten to daytime yet to get kapara. The Gemara here is assuming that you only get kapara, according to Rebbe, through the day of Yom Kippur during the daytime, not the nighttime, which is not at all obvious. There's a little dispute around that, but that's the assumption here. So if so, the case where you get kares is if you eat at night and you don't reach the daytime, you get kares for that. Ella, ema kares diyamama, the Rebbe lay slay. Okay, fine. So you can get kares if you eat at night, but you can't, in a case where you ate on Yom Kippur during the day, you wouldn't get kares? That sounds really weird. It doesn't sound like that's what the Pusik is saying. The Pusik says, if you, if you don't fast, you get kares. It doesn't say nighttime. Well, no, even if you eat, if you eat uh, by day on Yom Kippur, you can still get kares. In a case where you eat a bone, you choke on it and die. So if you eat and die immediately, then there's no time for the kapara to jump in, to, to, you know, to, to take uh, effect, and you wouldn't get atonement, you would get kares instead. Inami, you eat right until nightfall, right until the end of Yom Kippur. There was no time for you to get kapara. So this gemara is fascinating for a lot of reasons. Uh, it's like sort of a cool logical game to try to figure out what the scenario is where you can get uh, you can get kapara or, or you can sorry you can get kares with that and the kapara doesn't work. For our purposes, it's important because it sets up the following question of Tosfos that's going to really blow this whole sugya open. Tosfos says the avat This idea if you eat right before if you eat right before nightfall. You're the day of Yom Kippur won't atone for you, right? Because you don't have any time for Yom Kippur to kick in. So Tosa is going to say, okay, we've been thinking about nowadays, but what if we think about in the time of the Beis HaMikdash? So Tosa, there's an implicit question here. They say, wait, I have another scenario, right? We have like three different scenarios in our Gemara. What about a scenario where you say, you can eat and get kares on Yom Kippur because you ate after they brought the seer Amishaleah. You get Kapar and Yom Kippur from the scapegoat, from the Seer Mishaleah. We saw that in the Mishnah on Daf phase. But if they already brought the Seer Mishaleah, it's too late for you to get Kapara. So, so he says, that's his implicit question. He says, you can't say that because Shumachapar Kolayom. Actually, the Seer Mishaleah, let's say they bring it at uh, 3 p.m. and then you eat uh, at 4 p.m. on Yom Kippur. The Seer Mishaleach actually is Mechaper for you in the future. Now, Tosos is going to have a problem with this. Tosos says, Right, does that sound weird to you? Can a carbon be Mechaper on the future? Right, you go to the Mesa Mekdash, you bring a carbon Chatas, you say, tomorrow I'm probably going to do an Avera, so this Chatas now, I'm like, I'm pre-gaming the Kapara, right? I should get the, the Chatas now to work for tomorrow when I do the Avera. That doesn't work. You have to bring, go point of a carbon. To be mechaper is it's to fix something you did wrong previously. So how can you say the siyum shaleach works for the fact that you're going to eat later, right? You can't. If there's no retroactive kapara, what does that even mean, right? People understand the question, right? How can what, he says we can't say don't say a scenario where you eat after the the shaleach because the siyum shaleach is mechaper afterwards. How can it be mechaper after it's already brought? He has three answers. The first answer shani siyum shaleach bechsivbe. The Sir Mishnah is different. Usually, yes, Karbanos are only Mechaper on, uh, on the past, not on the future. But the Sir Mishnah, because the Pasuk says, right, on this day, therefore it works all day. And the Sir Mishnah can actually work on the future. Um, that's answer one. Answer number two, inami hayom atzma below Or answer number two, no, no, no. The seer, even in such a case, right? The seer is brought at three. You eat, you eat on Yom Kippur at four, so you're not going to get kapara from the seer mishleach, but you still will get kapara from the day of Yom Kippur. Sas, you'll get partial kapara. The inkan karis gummer, you won't get the full karis. So that would that wouldn't be a good answer in the gemara. That's answer number two. And then answer number three, the yesh mefarshim, the yom kippur and below seir mishleach mechaper legamre. Maybe Yom Kippur alone is fully mechaper. So this is like the option we saw before, that either the Karbanos, in this case, the Sarimish or Yom Kippur as a day is mechaper. That's the third answer. But what's, what's going on in the first answer? Can someone explain to me, what's the logic here of you bring your Sarimish at three o'clock, the person eats on Yom Kippur at four o'clock, that Avera is magically taken care of by the Sarimish that was brought in the past. How does that work? And what's his proof? He says, the Pusik says, Kiva Yom How does that actually explain anything? How does that answer the question? Any thoughts? 
yeah, Zoe. It's so it seems to be, it it seems to be a continuation of the idea that like there's something just about the day of Yom Kippur that makes it exceptional to any other day. Um, and so like, that's what I keep thinking about in all the examples that you're bringing of like, I'm trying to think if there are other examples of just like, this day is sort of this like, very unusual one for like, whatever reasons in this case for Kapara. Um, so it seems to be like, you need to, you need to do the actions of Yom Kippur to fully get all the benefit of Yom Kippur but then it lasts for like magically through the day. My question is like, what happens if you eat like right at, right at like sunset or something like that? Like seems the Gemara problematic. <laughs> yeah. The Gemara says if you eat at sunset, then it won't help you, right? Because the day yeah. itself doesn't get, get, a, doesn't get a second in, uh, you know, uh, for itself. But yeah, I think, I think, Zoe, I think you're, you're, you're uh, saying that, you know, you're going the direction I was going to go in, which is, it sounds like it's not, when Tosa says like, oh, the Sirah Shalayach magically works afterwards because the Pusik says, Kiva Yomazeh, what he's really saying is there's an integration here. It's not the Sirmish Shalayach magically works on the future. It's the, the kapara of the Sirmish Shalayach is very much integrated with the day of Yom Kippur. They're working together. This is a case, it's, it, this is the case of the Sirmish Shalayach working with Yom Kippur. And not just like A plus B in a quantitative sense, but there's a fundamental integration between the two factors. Right? Yom Kippur and the Sayyir work together, integrate together to the Chaper. That's answer one. Answer two is that the day itself, they sort of work independently. The sire is mechaper fully. If you don't have that, the day is mechaper partially. And the third answer sounds like the sire is mechaper fully. And if you don't have that, the day is mechaper fully. You have two, you know, each one is sufficient, two sufficient mechaperim. We're going to skip a couple sources for reasons of time. And let's look at the Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva. There's some translation on the bottom. Uh, if you have the handout, you can look ahead if you want. We'll start at Halacha Bays here. This is like, this Rambam is also going to be like a, a super uh, uh, surprising and interesting Rambam, right? Because what have we been saying until now? Basically, let's just take a step back before we read the Rambam, right? So what, what are the models that we have for how Yom Kippur works when there are karbanos? Either Yom Kippur works just through the carbon, the carbon itself does everything, the day does nothing, or Yom Kippur works as an alternative, or the, the day or the carbon are two alternatives, or there's some integration between the two, as we just saw in Tosus, like the day works with the carbon because the, the, the sire can work on the future. Presumably there's, there's like a fusion. There's a sire yom fusion going on. Those are all models. And when you think about how those models work, what happens, let's say, on the view, well, let's go through them. The view that either Yom Kippur or the day is enough. Nowadays, we don't have the carbon. Either Yom Kippur or the carbon is enough. We don't have the carbon. What changed nowadays? How is Kapara now different than Kapara then? doesn't have to be different at all, right? It's the same thing. It's just you have only one option instead of two, right? But you get to the same place. On the other hand, um, if, you know, if you have the view that the carbon does all the kapara, and now we don't have the carbon, but we still have the day, how would that work? A couple of ways, right? But somehow the day is standing in for the kapara. And if you think that there's some fusion between the two, also some, something's changed. We don't have the, the full set of carbonos, but at least we have the day, the day itself to do something. But in all of these models, the question is, to what degree the day of Yom Kippur stands in for the Karbanos, right? That's what everyone said until now. Let's read the Rambam. Hilchos uh, Tshuva, Halacha, Perak Aleph, Halacha Beis. This is right at the beginning of Hilchos Tshuva. What is Tshuva? The Rambam says Tshuva is focused on Vidui. You do Vidui in Karbanos. You do Vidui uh, when you do Averos, other times. And then he jumps in. Sir Mishaleach, Lefishu Kapara al Kol Yisrael. Right, the scapegoat atones for all of Israel. Kohen Gadol misvadeh alav. Kohen Gadol says a big vidui. Al lashon kol Yisrael for everyone. Shemar misvadeh alav. Es kol avodos bnei Yisrael. Fine. What is in mechaper? For Sir Mishdaleach. Mechaper al kol averos. Shabbat Torah. We saw this in the Mishnah. Hakalus vachamuros. Bein shemar mezada. Bein shemar shkaga. Bein shahodol. Bein shalohadol. Hakol miskaper for Sir Mishdaleach. All averos, basically in all scenarios, are atoned by the Sir Mishdaleach. That's from the Mishnah. What does the Rambam sneak in here? I think we're discussing that a little bit later on. That's not in the Mishnah. The Rambam uh, builds on that Gemara, and it's not clear from the Gemara how we paskin. The Rambam says, we paskin, it works if you did tshuva. If you didn't do tshuva, you're not going to get too much out of your Sirmish Shaleach. If you don't do tshuva and you only have the scapegoat, that'll only atone for the minor sins. We saw this earlier in the Me'iri. He describes what exactly they are. That's in the time of the Beis Hamikdash. 
Sir Mishalech is mechaper for everything with tshuva, and without tshuva, it's mechaper for minor sins. So first of all, the Rama was building in a big tshuva there, but what's the biggest mechaper? What's mechaper for everything in the time of the Beis HaMikdash? The Sir Mishalech, right? And nowadays, Bizman Azek, continues the Rambam, She'ein Beis HaMikdash Kayim, we don't have a Beis HaMikdash. Te'ein Manu Mizbach Kapara, we don't have a Mizbach to do, a, to do atonement. We don't have the Sir Mishalech anymore. The serious stuff used to be the main mechaper. Nowadays, without that, we have, fill in the blank, what would everyone we've seen until now say? We don't have the serious stuff. What do we have? Teshiva. Well, you're, you're going with the Rambam. But yeah. anyway, what, what Tosos would have said is we have the day of Yom Kippur. We don't have the Karban. We have the day. The Yom fills in. But the Rambam, shockingly, says, All we have is Tshuva. And now, the Rama has a line that does not, I mean, built on other sources, but he's trying to basically fill in what we said before. And now he says, Just like the Sir Shaleach used to atone for everything, that's replaced, not by the day of Yom Kippur, but by Tshuva. Tshuva is the new replacement in the Ramam's view of Ramam's Chiddush. Tshuva is the replacement for the Sir Shaleach, not the day of Yom Kippur. And then the Ramam, of course, this is the beginning of Hilkos Tshuva. The Ramam is trying to show the power of Tshuva. Tshuva is, today is the number one mechaper, right? Whereas it used to be the Sir Azazel. Now we don't have that. What steps up? What becomes the new number one? Tshuva. Afil Russia kol You're a Russia. You're evil to your whole life. You did everything wrong. You do Tshuva at the end of your life. We forget about your whole past. And Shenemar, Russia, we forget about your evil past. The right? The Ramam sort of uh, as an afterthought almost. After talking about the power of Chuba, Chuba is now the ultimate Mechaper, because we don't have the Sirmish Taleach. It can be Mechaper for everything. And he gives a whole story about someone who does Chuba at the end of a life of sin. And then it's like, oh, by the way, the Atzmo Shiyom Kippur Mechaper. Lashavim. Right? The Day of Yom Kippur itself is Mechaper if you do Chuba. But the Day of Yom Kippur is very much lower on the hierarchy then tshuva. Whereas I think, for everyone we see until now, for the views of the of, of uh, Tosvos and for others that we didn't have a chance to read inside, uh, it's pretty clear we don't have the Karbanos of Yom Kippur. What steps in? The day of Yom Kippur steps in. It's perfect. And we actually, in the first year, if you recall, the Sifra essentially said that. It said, the Pasuk says, Ki bezei chaper aleichem, bikarbanos, right, with this, this whole description of all the karbanos, there you get kapara. Why did the Torah say ki by yom hazeh? It shows that even if you don't have karbanos, the day is mechaper. The Sifra very clearly says the day stands in for the karbanos. Tosvos, all of his shitos, seem to say, well, we had the time of the Beis Mikdash, we had karbanos. We didn't, uh, the day played maybe a minor role, maybe no role, maybe an alternate role. Without karbanos, the day steps up and plays the full role. Ramam says, no. It's not about the day of Yom Kippur. It's about tshuva. Tshuva really steps up. The day of Yom Kippur plays a minor role. It's mechaper for those who do tshuva. And if you recall, the way, the way that the Me'iri formulated this point, building on this, this Rambam, was he said, what does it mean that doing tshuva is tole, and then until you get to Yom Kippur when you get the kapara? He said that's the true fulfillment of the tshuva only comes about on Yom Kippur. But Yom Kippur is just a way of finishing off the process of tshuva, because the Me'iri read this Rambam, the Me'iri said, Tshuva is the main mechaper, the Me'iri actually took it further than the Rambam, but the idea of the, the role that the day of Yom Kippur plays is very much secondary to that of Tshuva. Uh, and again, this is the Rambam against many other people. So I think we're, we're, we're short on time. Uh, let's open it up for some questions. I think next time we'll be able to build a bit further and, and really figure out exactly different views on this historical uh, progression, what changed historically, uh, you know, again, we, we have a basic point here of is Yom Kippur, is there, are the Kabbalah's Yom Kippur replaced by the day or by tshuva? But there's a lot, there's several more questions we need to ask, uh, including why the change happened and uh, the details of how it works. How can the day stand in for the Kabbalah's? How can tshuva stand in for the Kabbalah's? In what, in what capacity exactly? And, and various other things. So we'll save that for next week, I think. For now, uh, any questions? or uh, suggestions, thoughts, ideas, chidushim on... Uh, yeah, on can I ask a question? Sure. Um, so for those that say that 
okay, in the past it was the carbana and nowadays it's um, just the day. So essentially, like we just receive kapara by not doing anything, just like by like Yom Kippur happening. And like, I just, I'm struggling to understand why anyone would say that. Like to me, the Rambam's opinion makes much more sense. Okay, um, great. So, so last week we discussed the relationship between Shuva and Yom Kippur. And we discussed the view of the Rambam and the Meiri on one side, that at the end of the day, Shuva is the primary factor between those two. And we just saw that again in the Rambam and in the Meiri for that matter. We, we discussed that against the view of the Tosvos, uh, Tosvos Yantif, Tosvos Rush, and others, that uh, essentially the main factor is Yom Kippur. Maybe it's the only factor. Maybe Yom Kippur does everything on its own. Maybe you need some integration. You're now asking, what's the logic for the view that Yom Kippur is magically mechaper and you don't even need to do tshuva? How is that? How is that right? How does that make sense? How is that moral? Um, so the the theory we suggested last time, based on what we saw in I think is Rosh Hashanah Hirsch, I think the Minchas Chinuch says similarly, is that Yom Kippur is fundamentally about Chesed. It's a day of divine grace, where God says, "I will grant you, uh, I will grant you atonement for your sins. I'll give you a clean slate. You don't deserve it, but you know I'm the sort of person or being, I should say, if it's God, right? I'm the sort of being that uh, grants, gives things for free, just like uh, kings, right? You, you give someone, you let someone off uh, for their crimes. So this is parallel, right? The King of Kings lets us off." for our, uh, our sins every year. And uh, I think this, this speaks to the question of what kapara is. What does it mean to get atonement for something? Can you really clean your slate? Can you really reverse history? Can you change the past? Does that work in some naturalistic way? Or that's really impossible. And the only way it could ever work is by some miracle or some act of divine grace to erase the past, to give us something we don't deserve. And I think that's the basis of the competing view, the non-Maimonidean view. Um, which sounds like we, based on the sugya last time, there's a lot of support for it in the Mishnah, in the Gemara, in several Rishonim. Seems to be a very main view that that you know Yom Kippur itself plays the uh, the major role, at least does half the work for of Kapara. And I think you know this is an understanding of Kapara that can be consistent with that. I think it's a bit less uh, a bit you know it's a bit less rationalistic. It's a bit more you know, the idea of grace or the idea of something happening automatically without uh, any any deservingness or any dessert on your part, maybe a bit harder to swallow, but I think, uh, you know, this can actually help us, learning these things helps us appreciate that idea a bit better, even though it doesn't, uh, it's not the most modern of, uh, of conceptions. All right, so then why would people, I don't know, nowadays, practically, why would people like go to shul on Yom Kippur or like, why would people do anything? Okay, great. Um, Tosfos has a similar formulation. They say, if Yom Kippur is mechaper uh, on its own, how come the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed? Right? Shouldn't they have just uh, gone kapar every year? They never, you never get that many averos. So you're asking similarly, why should we even try? So first of all, it's not, you know, that's not clear that that's the view is accepted. Number one. Number two, and hopefully we'll get to this one of the next two weeks. There's all discussion as to whether there's really no strings attached, no conditions, or whether Yom Kippur needs certain things in place to uh, to work. So even if you don't need tshuva. You might need the fact that you're uh, that you're uh, you know you're marking the day in some way, or that you're fasting on the day, or refraining from malacha. That may be a necessary condition. Um, and I would say, even if you think that's not necessary, even if you thought the Yom Kippur itself magically does everything, tshuva plays no role. Marking the day plays no role. There still is a mitzvah to do tshuva, right? We're still obligated to do tshuva, both both because we want to do the right thing going forward, and just there's a mitzvah of of tshuva uh, according to many of So I think. You know, even though there's no reward, it's still it's something can still be obligatory, right? So I'd say that that would be the the answer I give to your question. But it's a, it's a fair question. Again, I, as I said, it's somewhat parallel to Tosos's question. Right. Thank you. Sure. Any other questions or thoughts? Okay. Well, we have we still have a lot more to do on this topic, so we'll we'll, we'll get into it a bit further next time. But for now, I think we have at least we made some important first steps in understanding the difference between Kapara of Yom Kippur in the time of the Beis HaMikdash and the Kapara of Yom Kippur today. Um, again, thinking about the Karbanos, thinking about the day itself, thinking about the role of Tshuva in this process. Uh, so hopefully we'll all, uh, we'll, we'll all get a chance to learn this sugya a bit more next week and uh, find some, some further uh, you know, uh, exciting conceptual possibilities here. Everyone should have a wonderful evening.
Thank you, you too. Thanks, Hofschulman. All right, thank you very much. Um, looking forward to seeing everyone back here uh, next week at the same time for the uh, next session of this class. You can also find more of our classes online at drisha.org slash classes. I just put the link to that in the chat. So uh, thank you, Rabbi Zuckier. Thank you all for being here. Uh, Shabbat Shalom and see you soon.